This is a warning to all living mortals that on the 13th of December, Moose will release 13 of the most terrifying interviews of horror unto the world. That's right, 13 brand new episodes in the month of December leading up to our season premiere. And until then, Horror Hounds, mash on. Everyone up, everyone in, time for the fun to begin. Come along with me, Lookout Bear, on a brand new adventure. <laughs> Hello everyone, Michael B. Moynihan here, Zubily Zoo's resident adventurer, Lookout Bear. I, along with my friends Paul, Hello Zubaroos, and Billy, Welcome to the show. Have teamed up to bring you an informative and entertaining deep dive into the loving world of Zubily Zoo, one episode at a time. So please, Buckle up and join us for When You're in Zubilee 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 Magic and wonder are waiting for you So come on with us now And discover the wonder of you Welcome to Zubilee Zoo That's right, you can listen to the brand new Zoobly Zoo podcast, dropping the 1st and the 15th of every month, wherever you get your podcasts, or at electronicmediacollective.com slash pod. to an all-new episode of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose. This episode's kind of a mid-holiday treat for everybody. Not quite Thanksgiving, you know, that's past, and the new holidays are coming up, so it's a little Thanksgiving leftovers into the taste for the holidays. And we're going to talk about the Grindhouse Cinematic Universe. And to do that, brought back fan-favorite, personal favorite, and multi-time guest, please welcome Mr. Billy Peck. Hello, I'm back. Guess who's back? Back again. Anyway, <laughs> so how's it going? Uh, good, good. Um, I am excited to, you know, come back for another uh, franchise deep dive, so to speak, you know, where, where we're going to carve know, up this a- franchise. It's become a, a nice tradition where, you know, we'll get together. Heck, you know, your very, very first episode ever mm-hmm. was with me, and we discussed all the Halloween films. And we've discussed Friday the 13th, and we've discussed Leprechaun, and, you know, whatever else we've discussed. Um, there's some more coming down the pipeline, oh, yeah. so stay tuned. And <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the double feature film Grindhouse and everything that it brought, you know, it came back into a little bit of a relevancy due to a new movie that just came out. So it's not often that I 
push for myself to come on to an episode, but I was like, you know, if there is any time that I think we should do this, it's now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it couldn't be more relevant. And, you know, with waiting to uh, record it, you know, we were able to share, you know, the updated news about the newest film. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, newest people have film, had time to go see it. Yep. You know, newest film being uh, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which has already been ordered for a sequel. Mm-hmm. So that didn't take long at all. Nope. <laughs> you know, and the the double feature, I, I remember when it came out, I was thinking it was probably the coolest thing that I'd seen in a while. Yeah. You know, two movies, price of one. And I've always loved the concept of a double feature. Mm-hmm. And then you have this one where, you know, they're they're sharing cast members and it's all in the same universe. And then it brings back the like homage to like the super the super 70s horror. Yes. And aesthetically, it's just a feel that hasn't hadn't been around for a while. Yeah. You know, and I mean, all those things that you brought up are are great points. You know, but also, you know, so this movie came out in 2007, and I don't want to say that there weren't an abundance. It's maybe somewhere in the middle here, you know, and don't take everything that I'm saying verbatim, but there weren't a lot of event movies. Right. Not like they are. Now, you know, you look now at an event movie, it's largely, say, you know, Marvel movies. Well, and that's right about the time. Star Wars movies. Those things all happen almost every year now. Well, multiple a year. You figure around 2007, the the, uh, prequels were just, the Star Wars prequels were just wrapping. Mm -hmm. Um, The Harry Potter movies were coming out. So it was like Harry Potter and Twilight were your event movies. Sure. And, and look, horror had it as well. You know, you were we were starting to get, you know, the Saw movies mm-hmm. every year. You know, you would get uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yep. you know, the remake, you know, was or Freddy versus Jason, you know, was an event movie. Um, you know, so they were happening, but they weren't overly quite frequent yet. But then like when you go to see this start to finish, it is an event feel. It's not yes a movie. It's not yes. Well, and it's not just two <laughs> movies. This th- this had the feel of something special. You yeah. It's it's two of you know, and again, especially at that time, like two of of cinemas, uh, you know, auteurs, you know, the artists, <laughs> so to speak. I say like the most um, coming together, like the iconic and. and most uh recognizable uh visions yeah because a tarantino film on its own has its has its own feel its own you know style yes you watch a tarantino film you're like that's tarantino yep same thing with rodriguez yes you you know you're watching any anything rodriguez does and you're like yes that is 100 Mm -hmm, him mm -hmm. here these two guys are come together to give us the grindhouse double feature it was a match made in heaven yeah and then on top of that you get you know so these 
at that point, those are, you know, your big directors, uh, you know, that had been out for, eh, you know, give or take 10 years, um, name directors that again, it's interesting to look at it now because I think is even more so now with technology and the way that everything's out, just out there and at your fingertips. Uh, I think we're all a little more jaded and now like, you know, you think of Tarantino, you just, oh, well, he's the guy that uh, he puts out great movies. Uh, that, yeah, Like it's almost, I don't want to get into the weeds of it, but when someone is like super independent, they're putting out greatness all the time. It's awesome. Once it becomes this mainstream thing, it almost like becomes like this, like people find something negative about the fact that, oh, all they do is just put out like these great artsy movies. And it's like, that's the stuff we were clamoring for. Well, and on that same note, I'll, I'll call it now. Damien Leone is going to have to watch for that very, that, that very same pushback. You know, he is oh, yeah. being clamored and I'm right there in that clamoring group. I love mm -hmm. Terrifier and the franchise. At some point, the crowd is going to turn. Yes. It always does. Always does. People could care less about Tim Burton now. Yeah. You know, like, you know, people liked Wednesday. They're excited for Beetlejuice, but like. As a whole, know. it Tim Burton doesn't have that name power that he used to. You, you could walk into a room and say, hey, guys, Tim Burton's making a new movie and jaws would drop and heads would turn. And now back in the day. Yeah. Now they go, oh, oh he okay. hasn't put a good movie out in 15 years. Yeah. Which isn't actually true. It's just not what everybody, you know, you grow up with something. Mm -hmm. Eventually you kind of fall off. You right. get jaded. Um, and I think to a certain degree. That happened with some of these people later on. Um, but, you know, we had our, you know, horror and, and, you know, just not just horror, but like horror directors back in the day were our kind of artistic people, mm -hmm. Alfred Hitchcock. Yep. You know, then you move on to John Carpenter, you know, Toby Hooper, people like that. Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez are those directors of a, the ne that next generation at the time. And what they did was they also brought in the new up-and-comers. They brought in Rob Zombie, who at that time only had two movies out. And that was House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Reject, and people were losing their damn minds over him. I'm going to take a moment for a shameless plug. You want to hear more yes. about House of a Thousand Corpses? Make sure you tune in here in a few weeks for the 13 horrifying days of Christmas. I have an episode dedicated to House of a Thousand Corpses with Dr. Wolfenstein himself. You had Eli Roth. Again, two movies at that time. Cabin Fever and The First Hostel. People losing their damn minds over this guy. Then Edgar Wright. He had Shaun of the Dead. I don't recall if uh, 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 Hot Hot Fuzz was out yet, um, but still. But he was definitely right off the heels of Shaun of the Dead. Yes, another 
up and coming director. All these guys have a very specific style, look, aesthetic, all of that. And they were brought in to do these fake trailers. Some of which we have been lucky enough to see the light of day as films and others were left wanting. Right. So again, at this time, these, you know, again, saying all that stuff about, you know, becoming jaded or falling off the wagon or whatever the case is like at that time, these guys are unstoppable. Mm -hmm. We are clamoring for their films. Well, and as horror fans in general, we are always clamoring for. Yes. And this gave us old meets new in one sit down consumable viewing. Yes. And it wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't a clash of visions. Nope. It, it was a methodically laid out meal of horror. Yeah. And that I think is the success of this melding between the older generation of the older directors bringing in the new guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were able to balance out that essentially that meal. Yes. But oddly and unfortunately, this was a concept that the general movie going audience was not quite prepared for. No. And it just, it did okay, but not at all what they thought. And I've heard it several times that like, if this would have come out within, you know, say just before COVID times, um, and we are at that point starting to get the more, I know horror fans don't really love this term, but I'm just going to call it what it is. You know, the elevated horror experience um, where horror finally stopped following a, um, a formula, uh, not, not, not a formula, but like, you know, look every couple years, you know, it's, it's all zombies, then it's all ghost stories, then it's all vampires, then it's all found footage, then it's, you know, it finally hit a point where horror was anything. And so much of it was really good. And these new directors are coming out and you're getting, you know, early Blumhouse and you're getting A24 and you're getting like, again, just this melting pot of there is no specific subcategory of, of horror. It's just across the board doing well that was a good time that it would have if it came out probably would have been huge but it was a little ahead of its time well and that's what i was gonna say i think there were two things ultimately that uh i don't want to say ruined because i don't think anything actually ruined this movie but in the eyes of the general movie public ruined this movie um and that was the movie was ahead of its time and if you look at when it came out, visually and the way the script was written, it feels like a step backwards in horror. You know, because at this time, yeah, the, the, the Texas Chainsaw remakes come out. I mean, we're having these these great new age, you know, whether the remakes or not, these new graphically, aesthetically pleasing movies yes. come out. They're and very well polished. It's super polished movies. And then here comes the Grindhouse team, and they said, this is what we're going to do. No, we're going to make it look like shit. <laughs> we're going with the over-the-top splatter. 
we're, and it's not, you know, not gore porn, but the, you know, the blood splatter is going to splatter, you know, the, it, it's going to be schlocky, but not too schlocky. And it's, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, it, 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 you're right. It didn't have, it, it came out in the wrong place. Yeah. You know, what people, the problem is, is that this movie was made for film geek and it was pushed to a large audience. The large audience is not film geek. So I, I, I can think of a newer horror film that that happened with. What? It's a malignant. Oh, absolutely. You yes. Know, designed a very specific way for a very specific audience. Yes. And everybody outside of that audience hated it. Right. You know, not open to it at all. And that's that's what happened here. Even people that it was made for, they didn't. Movies aren't made like that. You know, so that, when you're conditioned to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to go watch this movie. And it, it you know, it, people didn't get it. Um, so you, you had to break your conditioning to. Yes. You know, really appreciate the art. <laughs> the art and the artistry behind what looks like a really shitty movie. Right. You know, cause you know, Grindhouse, you know, it was, it was these small New York sleazy cinemas that got, you know, um, smaller movies, small, cheap action or horror movies. Right. And, um, that, it, that they, and then know, they were getting third, fourth, fifth, sixth runs of them. Yep. Of, Which, of of actual film, so that after that's been played and then put back in its canister and then played in canister and played in canister, it it starts to degrade. wrinkle and wrinkle yep. and scratch the film. Um, now this is where we start to talk a little bit more about like what happens within the movies. Um, they did that on purpose to these movies. There are stories that <laughs> Tarantino. After takes, he would take the film out of its reel and he would just throw it across the the sandy, you know, uh, concrete and get like legitimate like scratches and stuff on it. Where where Rodriguez he went and did it digital. Um, but Tarantino was a madman doing that. And then See, that's the movie I want to watch. Is just watching him throw just destroy the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see if there's behind the scene footage. <laughs> um. And then, like, another thing that would happen, and you see it, so, like, uh, especially, like, in Planet Terror, you know, it, it's about a stripper, there's there's sex scene. This is a thing that would legitimately happen in theaters back in the day, was the footage would, like, start to, like, slow down because um, the projectionist would rewind it to watch those scenes, which would then wear out the footage slowing down the tape or they would snip out those scenes so they could keep the nudity keep the good parts right so like you would see in these movies a sex scene is happening and then the footage would start to get real blurry or stretched out or you know it would start to get uh you know extra scratchy and then all of a sudden it would come up saying missing real sorry for the inconvenience inconvenience my ass and that's what the other like the sixth theater that got it they would have to put that in because 
you have to have something to patch it. It's missing from what the third person who had the film did to um, general movie going audience did not understand this. Where's the rest of the movie at? Why does it look like this? Yeah. Um, and that's why stylized movies are always such a risk. Yes. And ultimately, this is one that will continue to grow in cult status. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't do so well on original release. Ultimately, it it will be and is a cult classic and will continue to have legs. Oh, absolutely. Even legs with machine guns. Yes. Very <laughs> attractive legs with machine guns. Yes. So. Audio piece missing. Do we? Do we want to um, just kind of start breaking down like the order of of how this was shown? Yeah, in cinemas. Let's go through the movie going experience. You have okay. your popcorn, you have your drink, you have your milk duds. Let's go. And to it's the playing these kind of you know the pre show prep, you know, so to speak. You know, it's showing um, the let's all go to the lobby. Let's all you know to like. It's showing these old timey commercials to go to the the you know the Say, food go get your stand snacks. and get, go get get your snacks, get your popcorn, your drinks. It was very much again start to finish an experience, they, right? They, you know, even even movies today that have like trailers worked into them didn't go to all the trouble that this one did. Right. You know, this it's not like you sat down at this one. It was, you know, coming to blah, blah, blah theater in June, Jurassic Park. And then this and this and this and this and this. It was, you know, you had your let's all go to the lobby, you know, your classic, get some snacks, some, you know, fun, cartoony, short and, and uh, yep. you know, just very old school theater experience. And then Danny Trail. Yeah. Machete. So first first trailer is is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Makes sense. You know, it's uh the first movie that we're going to see is Planet Terror. And uh so beforehand we we get his his uh we get his trailer. His trailer with Machete. Machete. And um the concept came from um i i think i think the early idea of it was i believe it's in desperado one of his earlier films that there's uh a guy with a bunch of like knives throwing knives yeah in his trench coat and he opens it and he's zinging them at people and he thought how funny would it be to have someone do that with full size machetes <laughs> and it would give uh, him the opportunity to give because he always thought that Danny Trejo, a great leading man, and how many people are going to give him that opportunity? Not many, unless, you know, the role is uh, like lead biker. Sure. Yeah, I mean, but that ain't main character. No, well, unless it's a, you know, a movie about a biker or. You know, again, and, you know, Treo said this many times himself, unless, you know, unless the movie is about a biker or a gangbanger or a yeah, drug yeah, lord, yeah. he's not getting, you know, he's not the face you see on a poster. <laughs> right. Uh, 
say, I think there was one interview. He's like, I'm not even sure this is a face a mother could love. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, we see Machete and, um, you know, the thing about these trailers is they are making, you know, something that's three to five minutes long tops and they need to pretend that this thing exists and make essentially all the best parts. Um, so then you get people like Cheech Marin showing up in it and he has a great line. Uh, um, so I think is he, I think he's like, I don't remember if he's related to Machete or like, they're just, you know, close. Um, and he's a, he's a, a pastor Cheech's and you know, it, it's like all, you know, all these Mexicans, you know, they need to come together. Um, and so, you know, the alert is sounded and Cheech, you know, becomes part of the brigade and, you know, he's got like a shotgun and one of the bad guys is like, it's like, please, father, I beg of you show mercy. And he goes, God shows mercy. I don't. And then, you know, uh, and it's just like, it's these fun one-liners. Honestly, and... it'd be the best tagline if Pastor Cheech got his own spinoff. <laughs> sure. Pastor with the um, shotgun. <laughs> um, You know, and then it's like, you got these crazy, like, deep, raspy-voiced voiceovers, you know, uh, Machete gets all the ladies. And, like, then it's him in a, a pool with two naked women, you know? And it's just, like, again, it's just, like, all the best parts. You don't even know why. All of a sudden, he's got a Gatling gun that he puts on a, a motorcycle. And there's explosions. And it's, like, Machete. You know? Machete. And then, and then it's it. Um, It's just, it really is, is a lot of fun. And it kickstarts the ride that we are about to take. It's, it's a hell of a roller coaster. Yes. And then from Machete, we take a trip to Planet Terror. Yes. Which is, of the two, the, I would say, the sh- schlockier, schlockiest of the two. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And yes. I think it fits more of the grindhouse, grimy kind of... uh over the top style over the top style that like i'll get into this some more as we talk later but a big thing for these movies when filmmakers were making them was kind of a uh what's the word i'm looking for a a potluck of genres Mm -hmm. of stories and ideas it's it's a melting pot of let's just we got all these wild ideas let's just throw them together it doesn't make sense who cares that's, it'll make that's sense at of, the end right it'll make sense at the end don't worry about it we'll we'll make it work and that's why you have like there's a there's a you know a stripper and then there's a guy that runs a barbecue joint and then there's it's a, a, the weird doctor, a military. And the military guy, and the ball obsessed guy. Yeah, it's just all there. And like, why? Why is there a guy that's obsessed with 
you know, cutting up balls and storing them in a pickle jar. And Fergie is in it. And, you know, it's just it's just full of all this stuff. And then there's this virus that's going around. That's, you know, it's 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 wild to me. Planet Terror screams late 60s, early 70s. Yes. From the beginning. Yeah. I mean, just the one liners, the in some spots over the top acting, under acting. Oh, yeah. I mean, and these are all great actors and actresses in these roles. So yeah, that in and of itself had to be a challenge because let's throw in two twin nurses. <laughs> you know, the, the, the spots are just over dramatic or, oh, no, you know, that and it was just it's so fun to watch. Yeah. You know, they'd be underwhelming when they should be uh, more poignant and overwhelming at something as simple as I stubbed my toe, you know, Oh my God, I stubbed my toe. It's the worst thing that ever happened. You know, that, that, that kind of thing. And it was amazing. Yes. And then things too, like it'll be, uh, an extremely bombastic scene, something just crazy happening. And then the very next scene, it will go to like this love, like dramatically in love while, um, you know, the, uh, the main doctor woman is like texting because she's having an affair on her doctor husband. Um, you know, and I got to say, I mean, if I had to choose between Josh Brolin and Fergie, that'd be a hard pick. Um, I don't think it's Fergie. Pretty sure it was. Well, here's why I say that. Give, give me, give me, give me your reason. I was just going off of she's you know, just the way Fergie was acting before she had her no brainer. Um, <laughs> that that one always sticks in my head. You know, it's yeah, just she. Uh, you know this. I I got to get to where I'm going. You know, got to do this. Got to do that. She was in such a rush, and it lined up with the text messages, and, you know, while it might not have been a physical affair at that point, I think it was definitely an emotional affair via messaging with Fergie. So, we're going to fast forward here a little bit now onto Death Proof, and we see the radio DJ, Jungle, Jungle Julia, yeah. is texting with someone. Maybe she's having an affair with both of them. She seemed pretty happy when uh, she uh, sat there with Cherry. I'm Cherry. Yes, you are. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, Wendy Peppercorn gets around. Yeah, her. she's texting with Jungle Julia in Death Proof. That's another area where the two movies yeah. merge together. See, I would say it's my headcanon that, you know, that, that they were uh, with each other, but that kind of gets blown out the back. So, so what I think the Fergie character is, because if you think about it too, that was like a big deal at the time of like, oh, Fergie's going to be in this. Um, that I think that was purposeful stunt casting. You know, you'll hear it a lot like, oh, there's this big movie. And then, oh, they just put that in as like stunt casting, like big star just to show up for a random thing. I think that's what they were going for on purpose. And her story doesn't exactly matter. It's just, here's Big Star. She's in movie. Where's she going? What's she doing? I don't know. She's just going. Well, the the other 
reason I went with Fergie was, you know, and it, it could have easily just been tongue in cheek and misdirection, but you know, when, uh, the barbecue guy was like, you know, got lies to save or something like that. She's like, how'd you know? You know, and that fit with the, you know, okay, I have to go get Tommy and then I have to go pick her up and then we got to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, so all that just kind of lined up and it's like, well, I mean, it's Fergie. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting to see what others have to say. Yeah. Let us know. Comment. Please come back. Comment on a page, a post, any, anywhere, anything. Who was the doctor having an affair with? Give us your thoughts. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, great cast. Uh, you have Michael Bean as one of the cops. You have Tom Savini as one of the cops. You have Jeff Faye as the barbecue guy. Now, um, I, I did want to ask because you tend to know more than I know this generally more than I do. Mm. And the, the barbecue guy and Tom Savini is what brought it up. Was the barbecue joint the same shooting location that they used in Dust Till Dawn? Oh, I don't. Because the the shack looked the the shack and the scene the scenery looked very reminiscent to the. Uh, I mean, if it is, maybe I honestly I don't. Well, see, and I don't either. I just it was something as I was watching, I was like, "Whoa, that looks eerily similar." And being the same directors, you know, directors, and <laughs> yeah, you know. You, you tend to go back to what you know. Sure, it it would have fit. I mean, possible. It had the ditch, I don't know. It had all that, so I just yeah. I just figured I'd ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, uh, Tarantino's in it. He's a you know one of the uh, Terry Leader guys. Just again, this movie's just wild. And like, I mean, you got Bruce Willis, right, 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 as like the head military guy. Yeah, yeah. It's. Dude, it's just so yeah. over the place. Like, yeah, the cast you know, and again, was just phenomenal. So good, so good. You know, and we're. I feel like with these movies, we're gonna jump around a little bit. We're kind of just giving our anecdotes of why not. They um, did it's, right. Our thoughts of what happens within the movies. You know, it's not gonna be like a scene for scene breakdown. You know, it's just talking about the experience. And yeah, you know, you have Rose McGowan. You know, who also starts off the movie, you know, she she's a, a dancer, you know, and she's crying and she's in the back and the boss is like, you know, give her a hard time. And she he's like, you know, you, you need to go out there and you got to make people happy. It's go, go, not cry, cry. You know, she goes on her journey, hurts her leg, uh, you know, the, her on again, off again boyfriend, you know, uh, fixes her up with with the machine gun leg and see that um, hurts me because the recoil off of that has got to mess up her hip so um one of the things too that i i wanted to just for the hell of it is i brought out my grindhouse figures that none of you can see but he's currently know, playing the, with rose mcgowan the cherry figure and um previously discussed machete and then quentin tarantino <laughs> as stock military man <laughs> like you yeah. at that that figure you could put just drop in any military movie and he's like here i am and then i don't know why i cannot think of her name but yeah um windy peppercorn well, yeah it's marley something is her real name um but yeah you know the dr. The, the wife yeah the wife that or other uh, does Block. the anesthesia who taught us redheads are bad 
It's the redhead um, you got to watch out for. But yeah, um, three figures just for Planet Terror. One figure for Machete. Um, I've got this book that Tarantino and Rodriguez interview each other in it. How they uh, came up with the idea of it. That's it has book. it has scripts, um, production art, and uh, yeah, behind the scenes stuff. That's a boiler. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, really cool book, and um, I've got it signed by a couple people from the cast. Um, point of bringing that all up is, you know, it was again, it was not like they 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 put their they they were putting this out like it wasn't just yep just another movie being made like this whole mm-hmm. thing was meant to be an experience that. You know, and ultimately it is, and it lived on, it lives on. Um, It just didn't quite do what they wanted it. It didn't have legs originally. Right. It only had one leg. Made that, made that joker. Yes, but it's relevant again. (laughs) Call back. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to discuss about Planet Terror? Should we just kind of keep? Let's say Planet Terror, you know. All in all, it was great throwback to the 70s, and mm-hmm. it, of the movies, it is very much, it, it, it's an empowerment movie. Oh, absolutely. Because you look at where Rose McGowan's character starts to where she ends. Yeah. That is a tale of triumph. Yeah. So that that is one of the greatest things, one of the greatest story points of that uh, movie. Yep. Followed right behind her uh, being told she was pregnant because El Rey never misses. That's right. Again, just <laughs> fun one-liners. I told you I know. It's like, oh. No, I think I think that's a good wrap on uh, Planet Terror. Who knows? We might come back and do a deep dive on Planet Terror someday. Yeah. Werewolf Women of the SS. That's a Nazi movie I want to watch. Oh, of course. You know, so... Uh, there's a a genre referred to as Nazi Nazi exploitation. Yes, thank you. Um, I yeah, there's Ilsa, she wolf, she wolf of the SS. Um, you know, just all kinds of things like that. Uh, that the the seventies brought us, and it was usually putting some big breasted blonde woman as a uh. Nazi warden, um, you know, sent to do the dirty work directly from Hitler. And um, so a lot of times what they would do is they would take, they, they would essentially make movies based off of like, well, we have access to this props house. And what's all the things that are in this props house? Well, here's wardrobe. and they would have like period specific wardrobe. And so there's like a lot of like military uniforms. So like a lot of Nazi uniforms, and then there would be ancient Japanese garb and they'd be like, well, we have access to all this stuff. Let's use it. We'll make a movie. And they, you, they just cram all this stuff together. And you get Nazis versus samurais part seven. Yes. 
Love this. And then on top of that, it's like, well, um, you know, one of the uh, things about uh, Hitler and Nazis in Germany at that time was that they you know, uh, experimented with science. They were advanced in their science and, and Hitler was always trying to, you know, expand on things and, and whatever. Um, so you take those ideas, you take the props and the wardrobe that you have, you mash it all together. And you have Nazis. My favorite things. You have Nazis trying to create werewolves. I should probably clarify what my three favorite things are during that <laughs> course of that conversation. Um, yeah. It's not Nazis. It's bombshell, bombshells, werewolves, and Rob Zombie. Nice save. <laughs> I could do without the Nazis, but you give me the babes, the uh, werewolves, and zombie. Well, and look. It, in the course of the story, they fit, but it's not one of my top three. <laughs> I don't think, I know neither of us are, and I would like to think that your loyal listenership do not approve or condone of what Nazis did in real life. But as cinema lovers and horror fans, Nazi things are interesting. Mm -hmm. They make for good characters, much like Joker or Darth Vader or, you know. And Nazis are essentially low-hanging fruit. You can... You can grab that fruit and do whatever the hell you want to it, because who are you going to offend? And you can make some really, really great stuff out of it. Yeah. And there has been. Unfortunately, yeah. this has still just remained a trailer. Yeah. Um. And now, if you're, th- you know, going like, well, why why'd you bring up the Asian guy? Well, <laughs> because at the end of the trailer, you know, and you've got... Again, uh, full of, you know, genre favorite. You have Bill Mosley as the the scientist who is, you know, mistreated. You have Sherry Moon and uh, Sybil Downing, who is another, like, you know, was around in, like, the 70s, you know, in a lot of those types of movies um, as, you know, the Nazi ladies that turn into werewolves. Um, you have Tom Tolls, you have, um, now there's a scene where it shows, uh, a couple soldiers, you know, uh, fighting at a concentration camp. Um, like they're watching like this fight. Uh, that was two professional wrestlers, Test and Vladimir Kozlov. Um, and so, uh, again, just a, a cast Full of cool people. And then at the end, and it's like. And Nicolas Cage as Fu Fu Manchu. Manchu. And he turns around and he's got the big sarcastic Fu Manchu. He's in a Asian wardrobe. Um, Yeah. uh, And, you know, he just lets out this ridiculous laugh. And then that's it. Um, I will. Yeah. There's. There's a lot of great spots in this little trailer, but yeah. my favorite is, yeah, that cast rundown. And you you see, all you see is the back of what gets revealed as Fu Manchu. So you see this Asian looking gentleman, in theory, like you see the, essentially a kimono, right. the black hair in what looks to be 
an Imperial Japan setting. You're like, all right, this is weird. And Nicolas Cage. What? As Fu Manchu. Yeah. What? Right. Give me. I want. Yeah. You know, because I, just quick sidebar, I love watching Nicolas Cage be weird. And I think as to get a chance to see Nicolas Cage play the Fu Manchu character would be amazing. You know, because I'd love to see where he takes it. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, because like when he turned around, it didn't seem like it, it doesn't look or come across as like, you know, a stereotype or anything like that. It was just somebody with a Fu Manchu mustache. Who... Well, and again, it is making a movie based off of a time mm-hmm. that if they said we have this Asian wardrobe, well, we don't have any Asians. So what? We'll just dress one up like one. Like, that's just the way movies were made. Yeah. Especially these super low budget. Mm-hmm. Just make just make something. Yeah. Um, That is what they are going for. When making, unfortunately, like you said, this one not made. Say so this one um, and the next one were not made, and they're the two I want to see the most, just <laughs> well, because of taglines. Yeah. Um, next one is don't. Yeah. And this whole trailer is sold entirely on the voiceover. Oh yeah. Don't look under the bed. Don't go into that room. Don't move that dead body. Thinking right. about playing with the dolls. Don't. Thinking if about. You- we're thinking about going in that house. Don't. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and this one is Edgar Wright. Trailer. Yeah. Um, and again, like he has his cast, like Simon Pegg is in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Frost is in it. Uh, and now Edgar Wright's plan for this was, I believe it was more of like, um, more Italian cinema. Yeah. And they would just like put all these things in the move, like the trailer um, that never ever once tells you what the movie is. Sure it is. Don't. It tells you what not to do. But, but what's the story, you know, at least with, with machete, it's this Mexican, you know, going out um, on a revenge plot you know or whatever werewolf women of the ss it is you know nazis creating werewolf you know thinking we're gonna give you the story don't right and at the end it actually says if you were thinking about seeing this movie don't well and <laughs> um, like right before that is like if you were thinking of seeing this movie alone don't and it's like what the crap um <laughs> you know because it's like Again, it just it it never once explains what the movie is at all. It's so off the rails, but right. I want to see it so bad. Exactly, and a lot of times because that's how the trailers would be cut back then. Because again, they just made some bullshit, and they're like, "Well, how do we market this?" Well, I don't know. Um, and then they would see the movie and they'd be like, "That was horrible." Oh, it's nice to see not much has changed. Right. So, um, it's like they put all the good stuff in the trailers. Well, in this case, <laughs> they did. I remember, you know, every, every couple years, uh, Grindhouse talk would come and it'd be, you know, when are we going to see these other movies? When are we going to get a sequel? 
you know, when are we going to get another double feature, you know, because that was kind of the idea too. There were four on the bigger scale. There were four trailers shown. So you see this movie of Planet Terror and Death Proof, and then you would see the next movie of Machete and Don't. And then you would see the next movie of Werewolf Women of the SS and Thanksgiving. Eli Roth uh, did his short trailer of Thanksgiving, which the story behind that was him and his best friend growing up, huge horror movie fans, always wanted to see a Thanksgiving slasher film because for them growing up, there was obviously Halloween, Friday the 13th, April Fool's Day, there was My Bloody Valentine, there's Prom Night, there was Happy Birthday to Me. There's all these like holiday-esque themed movies, these slasher films, but where's Thanksgiving? Why is there not some demented pilgrim going around and killing people? So they had this idea from from childhood. And when it was time to put this movie together, uh, they asked Eli Roth to do it. They're like, got the idea. We're going to do Thanksgiving. And, um, oh, uh, to step back real quick, I remember why I was saying every couple years it would get brought up of like, oh, is, when's another one of these movies going to get made? And um, I remember on Twitter and I put, you know, if you dot, 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 bunch of spaces, <laughs> thought dot, 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 bunch of spaces that at Edgar Wright's movie, don't dot, 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 bunch of spaces was ever actually going to get made dot, 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 bunch of spaces. And then I got a screen grab of, you know, from the trailer with, with the splash screen saying don't. And he actually like, like retweeted it, laughed about it you know, whatever. And I was like, yes. <laughs> but um, anyway, I, I, I just, I forgot about that story and thought it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so Thanksgiving, you know, uh, he makes the trailer. Uh, I forget. I think he said they were in like Prague or something. Um, it's, they were filming Hostile 2 overseas. So um, if you watch that trailer, it just looks very, the scenery, the the buildings and everything just look very uh, different and unique. It's because it was shot over in a different country. Um, but hey, uh, what is it? Like 19 years? No, not that long. 17, 18? I'm bad at math. I hate math. <laughs> um, Thanksgiving did get turned into an official film, uh, which we'll get into a little later. Is there anything that you would like to say about the uh thanksgiving trailer it's not a dinner i want to attend there's a big <laughs> naked person on the table well and that's again it's it's taking all the best parts yeah uh, and again we'll get into that some more um now here's here's some uh bonus content now the film proper it had those trailers and then it went into death proof but in the canadian market there was a contest where they wanted to put to give an independent, you know, fan, you know, filmmaker uh, an opportunity to make their own fake trailer and have it placed into the movie in Canadian cinema officially. And that 
fake trailer that won. And I remember this being a huge deal. I was following this. I was watching the fake trailers. I bet a bunch of them are probably still available. I can find them. But the one that won was Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes, it was. And uh, I, the fake trailer is is super fun. Um, has a different cast uh, because, it, again, it was, it was a, an independent filmmaker and his buddies making you know, a a fake trailer, um, you know, with no real budget, no star power, nothing like that, no resources. And that would be um, Jason Eisner who made that one. He has gone on to have a pretty cool. And that is, again, another trailer. It's very interesting. Rob Zombie, Edgar Wright, you know, both. uh, And and up until just very recently, Eli Roth, all very credible filmmakers. I know, hey, you might like or dislike what they do, but they they put stuff out. Yeah. Machete got a movie. It got a sequel. And oh, Machete again, got an expanded in, universe. Right. But up until just very recently, the only other trailer to get a movie was Hobo with the Shotgun. So congratulations for that. Yeah. It's Let's a hell of a contest win. <laughs> yeah let's move on to death proof tarantino's section of good old stuntman mike speaking of stuntman mike he got a figure too not in his silver jumpsuit that's so weird well it's the later half of the movie hmm. but we'll talk about that um interesting uh i i put death proof as like top favorite quentin tarantino movie it is largely considered his worst film to date it is hands down one of my favorite action films he even like he considers it i don't think he dislikes it but i think he even considers it like the one that he just didn't deliver what people expected out of it well i think that's a shame because i love this movie well, and ultimately, I think that has to do with the general reception of the whole package and not just... I don't think so. This is this is coming from Tarantino fans, um, hardcore Tarantino fans. Ah, death proof. Ah. Th- th- this is a, a pretty common consensus um, because the people that know Grindhouse, like, yeah, Grindhouse didn't do that well, but the people that know Grindhouse love Grindhouse. Um, this, this is, again, it's very largely considered... It is not Tarantino's best work. Hmm. One of my favorite action movies. Yeah. Great cast. Mm-hmm. Great looking cast. Two casts. Yeah. It, Death Proof is kind of two movies in of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, something interesting to go back to the grindhouse aesthetic of this movie. And it is so fast. You blink and you, like, literally you blink and you will. Uh, another thing that would happen back in the day. This actually happened famously to George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. It had an original title. Don't remember what it was called. The movie was made with that original title. Even showed, I think, with that original title and then was like, oh, no, 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 we need to change the title, whatever. And they changed it to Night of the Living Dead. And it was because of the name change that they forgot to copyright it or trademark it. Um, because the original name was trademark. So 
while you're watching Death Proof, as it says Death Proof on the screen, it very, very quickly has a different title card that pops up on the screen of what the movie is called, and it's called Thunderbolt. And then it quickly goes away, and it's called Death Proof. So it's implied that Death Proof later got renamed, which, again, was very common of films of that time. Well, and specifically, the the one I can think of uh, most prevalently is uh, Buddy Cooper's Mutilator. Hmm. It was originally called Fall Break until okay. it went to marketing, and marketing is like, this isn't going to sell. Now, not a chance. They, they, they had done all done everything. There's even a song in the movie, Fall Break, you know, kind of an upbeat, you know, song for Fall yeah. Break. It gets rebranded Mutilator. Yeah. You know, great posters, all this stuff. Movie starts out, you know, you're going to see Mutilator. And it cuts into this, like, really cheesy 80s intro, Fall Break. And then the movie continues just because they couldn't cut it out, you know, just because of how it was shot. Yeah. So it's like, ah, so it happens when, you know, you, you get your marketing set up afterwards <laughs> and you decide mm-hmm. to change your name. Yeah. Um. So, again, it's it, and that's one of those things like I don't see it get talked about a lot, but uh, it's just something that I remember seeing one of the times I watched and I was like, wait, whoa, 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 wait, what, what was that? Because it's like and it's like bright yellow and red and like, you know, the death proof font is not that way. Um, and, uh, say it happened a lot with the classic, uh, with the classic Kung Fu movies as well. Oh yeah. So, um, it just, again, just another thing that you, uh, when you're really paying attention, you catch little things of how they truly made this feel like something that would have come out back in the seventies. And, uh, so yeah, you know, this movie comparatively is I feel like this one is a little more contemporary. Like it's still like a kind of an artsy Tarantino type film. Um, it's a different kind of horror and it's not like super crazy over the top. No, it, it, it kind of falls more to like a Steve McQueen style movie. Yeah. Which again, as you're going back to older generation movies if you're going especially if you're going to pick a car movie you pick steve mcqueen that's your go-to car guy for that era yeah and that's it's 100 where this fell mm-hmm. and god yeah. the cars were gorgeous oh sure sure um so yeah again uh all subtle stuff but letting you know that these two movies also exist in the same universe um we see Jungle Julia texting with, you know, the doctor in uh, Planet Terror. Uh, we see the, the two, the twins, you know, walk by again. Like, they show up in the bar, like, after their shift. Um, I believe, you know, a couple of the cops are in it. Um, you know, I'll just, again, little little references to Planet Terror uh, and, and their connectivity, their connective tissue. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the movie, you know, it starts out with one cast, um, and, uh, you know, we see Rosara, no, we see Rose McGowan Mm -hmm. back, but she's a completely different character, blonde hair, um, you know, whatever. And And, girl uh, next to the type. Yep. 
Yep, Girl Next Door uh, obviously had some sort of connection with the main group of girls, um, but, like, she might have been the popular one, so they had a, a drift, a rift, um, and, yeah, they're all at the bar, and by the end of the night, after the, you know, the drinks are flowing, you know, they all, you know, kind of, like, get getting along with each other and uh, Eli Roth is in it. Quentin Tarantino plays the bartender and yeah, Kurt Russell. Incredible. Like peak Kurt Russell for. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Just that, uh, kind of that over the top, you know, just has the charm. I say they brought the eighties Kurt Russell into this movie. This was, yeah. You know, escape from New York. This was, you know, every, every one of his movies where he was that yeah, you know, you know, it's, quintessential hero, just charming, you know, his, yeah. his charm was rolled yep. into Stuntman Mike. Yes. What's your name? Stuntman Mike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ask, you know, the you know guy at the bar. Who is he? Oh, that's the Stuntman Mike. What's he do? He's Stuntman. Stuntman. Yeah. They're like, oh, did you do this? He's like, no, that was my brother. Oh. What's his name? Stuntman Bob. Again, <laughs> <laughs> just like small, subtle things, super fun. Um, and uh, you know, by the end of the night, again, everybody in the bar just getting along, having fun with each other. Um, and he ends up leaving with Rose McGowan character and you know, his side is all protected. Um, and the other side, the passenger side, you know, just has a little seat. And she's like, there's not a real chair. He's like, no, this is where they put the camera. And um, when it becomes more of a horror film is when, um, you know, we have, uh, they're on the road. She's, he, uh, Rose McGowan's character thinks he's going to take her home. And he just starts driving like a crazy maniac, flipping her all around the car. She doesn't have a seatbelt. She had, there's no padding. There's no protective anything. She's kind of beat up. And, um, she gets beat up a lot in these two. It's true. It's very true. Uh, but he knows where the, uh, other group of girls are, the four girls. And, um, he drives past them, turns the lights off, goes way down to the other side of the road, flips a cookie and is just revving that car up. And she's like, please stop. You know, I'll, I won't tell anyone. Da, 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 da. Um, the four girls in the other car, they're listening to music. They're having fun. It's late. They're probably kind of drunk not paying attention to what's going on. And he just starts going. And just before he hits, they turn the lights. He turns the headlights on and wham. And what an incredible car crash. Yes. That we see the angle of how each one dies. Jungle Julia, she's got her leg. She's bouncing her leg out the window, dancing to the music. And that leg just flies off. And just flops on the ground. You see a tire fly off and go up one of her faces. Incredible. Incredibly well, they shot. They tell you not to stick your feet out the window. <laughs> um, 
But then fast forwards. Now we have a new cast of girls. And we've got Rosario Dawson. We've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, forget her name. She was in Rent with Rosario Dawson. And then uh mm, why can't I think of her name? She's an actual Australian stunt woman who was in the movie. Um and uh they we come to find out are all kind of thrill seekers and they meet up with Kurt Russell who thinks he's going to have his way with them. The same outcome. He's being extra creepy following them around. And um, one of the thrill seeking things that they want to do is they get on the top of the car and they hold on and drive real fast. Uh, car surfing. Well, huh? Said, ah, car surfing. Yes. Kurt Russell's character, stuntman Mike, um, starts trying to, you know, starts running into them, trying to ram, uh, drive them off the side of the road, whatever. They get back in the, finally get back in the car. And he's like surprised that they, you know, made it. And he's like laughing and he's, you know, congratulating him. He's clapping his hands. He's just like, man, that was so much fun. Oh, you guys were great. Blah, blah, blah. And then they beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and all of that charismatic charm that we talked about from Kurt Russell goes away. And he is sobbing, crying for them. Please stop. Oh, my God. Please stop. They beat the charm out of Kurt. It is so funny. And um, again, the empowerment that we see in the first one rolls over into this mm -hmm. one, too. And those girls do not take his shit. No. So that ends Grindhouse. And I'm sure that this is going long. So, you know, we can try and skate through these last bit. But let's let's talk about the now four movies that came from these fake trailers. Machete. Machete kills. Because two machete doesn't have the ring. <laughs> One machete, right. two machete, three machete. <gasps> Funny. Um, so, Machete. Ter uh, no, Rodriguez had the task of taking what was filmed for that fake trailer and turning it into a full-length movie. And a lot of it, he reuses the same footage and then builds a movie around that footage and it's it's good it's successful at how he does it um one of the funny things about it is now jeff Faye is in this movie but he's a completely different character slicked back hair kind of mobster guy um his his character is now fleshed out more and he has a wife and a daughter and that daughter is played by Lindsay lohan and in the trailer, it shows Machete is with these two women, a blonde and a redhead, and they're naked, and they're in the pool making out with each other. Because Machete gets all the women. Right. Um, now, in the trailer, it's two totally different actresses, but um, in the movie, I, for, I forget who plays the wife, but Lindsay Lohan plays the redheaded daughter, and now he's hooking up with... Jeff Fahey, the main villain's wife and daughter. And so it like shows him start to get with them. And then it cuts to the trailer footage. 
So, and that's kind of neat because say a star at the time, maybe were to have like a sex scene, but they did not want to show off any nudity of their, you know, their, their naked self. They would have a stand in. So you didn't actually see Lindsay Lohan. You saw the person from the trailer and then Lindsay Lohan actually goes on later to then become a nun. (laughs) And, um, uh, you get Michelle Rodriguez who plays she, uh, you get Jessica Alba. I mean, they pumped up this cast Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was cool. And then they move on to machete kills which Machete Kills has a fake trailer attached to it for that is called Machete Kills Again in Space. In Space. See, everything and goes to has, space. And he has a machete lightsaber in this fake trailer. Um, still waiting on that move. But uh, again, uh, Machete Kills, super fun. And I think this was the one where, like, they made it real crazy. Um uh, so yeah, Machete kills. Um, Charlie Sheen is in it as the president of the United States, and since you know it's Robert Rodriguez, it's Machete, it's very you know Hispanic uh, um, uh, heavy in the casting and the story and all of that. When someone makes their film debut, it always says introducing so and so. It's their first film. Obviously, this isn't Charlie Sheen's first movie, but. But it did say introducing Carlos Estevez, which I thought was incredible uh, and just clever. Um, Lady Gaga is in the movie as a uh, a disguise shape shifting like she can wear, you know, whatever. Um, she's always in disguise. Lady Gaga uh, Amber Heard is in it. Uh, is basically what what I'm, what you're telling me. She could wear whatever. Even she more wants. so, though. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Again, uh, just super fun. Uh, is there something about Machete that you would like to talk about? This this machete wielding character, this over the top like killer character, gets added to his own expanded universe, and you see him essentially later in life in the Spy Kids franchise. Yes, it is. So bizarre that you have who uh, essentially a retired machete hanging out with these kids doing yeah. machete things. It just it it just baffles my mind. And then um said we're still waiting on machete kills again in space. I man at this point I I wonder if it would even happen. Um, but talked about this as well. The other fake trailer to get made was Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes. And um, it was uh, now starring uh, Rudger Howard, and who I absolutely am a fan of and thrilled to find out that this was being turned into a movie. Um, the guy that played him in the fake trailer, uh, it was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> it was fun to do, um, you know, this little project, but that's, that's not for me. So um, he did play like a uh a small role in it uh yeah hobo with a shotgun i say hobo with the shotgun love this movie oh yeah i say it the the way it plays out feels a lot like the uh dicaprio romeo and juliet just 
the, like the action and the cinematography style and just the way it's you know shot progression mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it's by far one of my favorite movies and is my favorite of this franchise and you have this it says it all in the title it's about a hobo with a shotgun but he decides he's gonna clean up the streets and he he finds a love interest but it's not really a love interest he just he he finds good and that's what drives him and it's it's an amazing movie yeah yep agreed um very glad that it was made said jason eisner uh he was the director of it uh he went on to do uh he he would do like you know kind of more shorts and in, in stuff like uh you know the abc's of death and things like that um but prominently and and you know has done very well with he is uh one of the main of two creative forces behind um dark side of the ring yeah uh for wrestling fans uh i i know a lot of people who aren't even like wrestling fans per se love seeing these because it just tells the dark side of you know what happens in wrestling and the way that they're made and shot are just incredible and so that's that's him and uh it's very cool to see that you know he's continued on and he's done well for himself after you know just making a fake trailer that won a contest all about a hobo with a shotgun so then all these years later thanksgiving finally is being turned into a real movie there was no way with how big of a fan i am of this that i was going to miss this in um so i went thanksgiving day uh i fell asleep in my family's thanksgiving (laughs) they took pictures um now i listened to eli roth on a couple podcasts uh that i feel like it would be beneficial for people to go check out and it was he was on uh mick garris's podcast this famous guy within the filmmaking business and then he was on talk is jericho professional wrestler chris jericho and he said that it was a little difficult for him to crack at first because the model of this is to when you're making these fake trailers you put in all the best parts um and then you then have to build a movie around this trailer you now have to figure out how to make all these parts fit into a story and he's like you know, we just we put all these insane, crazy deaths in, <laughs> and now like we're gonna try and find a story. Like he's like, so basically, he's like, I changed, <laughs> I changed what you know the formula basically, and how that trailer in this universe is a movie that was made back in the seventies, and it was just considered so vile so grotesque that it was shown maybe once or twice and then it was it was pulled from cinemas and and ordered to be burned never to be seen or found again so this movie is essentially a remake of what everybody knows about that movie that way it can 
still be its own thing while still touching on a couple parts from the trailer but it is now its own movie and it's modern times it doesn't have to try and fit into an era or anything like that um it is a new movie and uh you have not seen it um so i'm not gonna give anything too crazy away um but uh i did enjoy the movie I do feel like it it feels like a little bit more like uh, the feel of Scream meets I Know What You Did Last Summer. But the I feel that's kind of like how the story plays out. Um, but the kills are super creative, like a Friday the 13th. Um, that's how I would describe this. and. I will say that I think they did a very good job at doing that um, on a personal note because it is so grindhouse related. I miss not having the grindhouse feel to it. A little too polished in comparison. If it was, if it wasn't grindhouse related, yes, it's very polished. Yeah, it's um, again. I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just comparative to that style that it originally came from it just it has a different feel but it is a very fun slasher movie um and uh they uh the studio everyone involved like truly believed in this thing because before the movie was even out they are making figures like Three different figures, um, stuffies, uh, merchandise, masks, all this stuff based on a movie that's not out. No clue not how off it's of, going to do. Right. Not off of an existing. I, I know there was a trailer, obviously, but like if Halloween is coming out with a new movie. Yeah, they're making masks and figures and stuff, but Halloween's a proven commodity. They can do that. There's a built-in fan base for Michael Myers. There's not a built-in fan base for John Carver. There is now. Well, yes. And they truly believed in Eli Roth. They believed in the film. And they went all in. Talk about a movie. Even if the movie sucked, it was very well, like the best that you can be marketed. Mm-hmm. It was it was everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. I saw tons of people talking about this movie. Um, it is you know, and I'm sure like to some degree, some might be like, oh well, that's not that hard to do. <laughs> but um, it is Eli Roth's highest rated film. It is considered his best made movie. I personally would not put it at you know my favorite of his, not upon first viewing anyway. Um. You gotta but let it marinate a little. Sometimes you gotta let that turkey marinate. Um, like I said, I did enjoy it. I personally looked at it as okay, that was a cool kind of your run of the mill slasher film, a very well done run of the mill slasher film. Um, I do not want that to come across as like again, for me personally, everybody's mileage may vary, but yeah. for me personally, you know, I uh don't want that to seem like, oh, well, 
you didn't think that. Like, no, it's just on a personal base, I would have liked to see something a little bit more, you know, grindhouse feel. And I thought it was just, again, it's a very, this is what slasher movies are. Oh, 100%. And I, I can't wait to watch it. Um, Before we put this holiday hangover episode to bed. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask, if you were to make, just pick a holiday that hasn't been done yet, a, a holiday slasher movie, what would it be? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, all the main ones have pretty much been done. Um, I mean... <laughs> I, I don't know, Arbor Day, <laughs> something, something with, uh, well, it could be another, uh, slasher to take place in Nebraska. Mutant trees, uh, uh, to I don't tox some sort of toxin gets in the trees. Uh, I, 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 I have no idea. See, I'm thinking Hanukkah. Okay. And it's cause you get, you know, eight nights of killing essentially. Okay. Okay. I, I think Hanukkah would be a fun one to run a slasher. Sure. I don't have it all mapped out yet, but it's definitely and Hanukkah because you can maximize like Halloween one day, Christmas one day, uh, all of them one day. Hanukkah, eight days. Hell, Kwanzaa, the Kwanzaa killer. Hmm. You know, a, a, a long running, uh, you know, you take a holiday with multiple days and turn that sure. into a slasher, the the possibilities are endless. And I think that's the next step in the holiday slasher. I'm down. So where can listeners keep up to date with Billy Peck and maybe see you performing live in the coming weeks? Yeah. Um, please check out my band, Graveyard Smash. You are here you are a fan of horror and that is what graveyard smash is a band that sings about horror movies uh we are on itunes spotify amazon bandcamp youtube just check out graveyard smash um we are on instagram facebook x all at graveyard smash 1313 uh, and it would like to check me out talking about uh, wrestling and uh collecting as part of matt cardona brian myers and smart mark sterling's major pod network check out the major world order all at major world order you can check both of us out on the Zoobly Zoo podcast, which you heard a bumper for at the very beginning of this episode, mm -hmm. on Spotify, on everywhere he just mentioned before. Yep, all at Zoobly Zoo Pod, Zoobly Zoo Podcast. Check that out. Uh, where we're, yes, we hang out with original cast member Michael B. Moynihan, who played Lookout Bear, and we talk about episode of the show. And you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com. Or if you just want to find me, head over to Facebook, Twitter, and now YouTube at Moose Media Inc. Just look for the moose. And if you find yourself in the Omaha area and just want to stop in and say hi to either of us, we will both be at PWP Live Candy Cane Chaos at the Waiting Room Lounge on December 20th. 20th. It's like I, there was a two. And 
we will also both be at the waiting room lounge where another band that Billy is in will be performing on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So come say hi, hang out, show your appreciations. And until next time, we're announced. Mash on. This has been Bruce's Monster Bash. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>